the man who was on the rooftop for a long time and who's trying to raise money for the community center on the south side is a man named Corey Brooks, Pastor Corey Brooks. He is the founder of New Beginnings Church and the CEO of Project Hood in Chicago. And he's on with us today at the Chicago Way to talk about one thing that's near and dear to my heart, racial discrimination masquerading as kindness. And Jeff Carlin of WGN Radio and the co-host here, my co-host here, has come up with a great idea, the Democratic National Counter Convention in Chicago. And where are you as Mayor Brandon Johnson kills the shot spotter and the gangs keep killing innocent people, black people mostly on the city's streets? You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+. Plus. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. Look, the, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river, castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Pastor Brooks, what is going on with DEI in America, and why does it upset you so much? Well, you know, the fact that um, DEI is at the forefront of a lot of companies, corporations, uh, it's uh, uh, the liberals are really pushing the agenda of DEI. And what I tell people all the time is that um, DEI is not helping communities like ours. Uh, my community, we may be on the bottom of society, uh, but the power of American principles and Americans' promises are equally ours. And so, but DEI wants people to believe that somehow it's not and that somehow color supersedes character and supersedes gift talents and abilities and and that's what we're seeing all across america and unfortunately it's it's uh pushing its agenda in a lot of our major corporations and, and pastor you you run a program uh called project hood helping others obtain destiny and you're i and i don't want to speak for you but, I, but my understanding of what it is is that the idea that you know, a neighborhood can lift itself up if a neighborhood is all working towards the the same thing and we're not being fractured into these silos and these, you know, being distracted by other things that are, are are trying to push us in other directions. What is what has you seen the impact of DEI in your neighborhood and 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 the you know, quote unquote south side of Chicago as everyone calls it? Yeah, you know, the reality is that DEI is an ideology for the privilege. Uh it helps people like Claudine. Uh, who exploit race for power and prestige. And it hurts communities like mine by exploiting them for uh, what I call poverty porn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Let let me just give you an example of what what my life as a pastor 
and and struggle is like uh, in our community. You know, we experience the violence every single day. We experience people who uh, young people who can't even read. They're getting out of school and can't mm-hmm. even read. And, uh, I, you know, the violence is is growing and educational levels are study failing. And but yet we have these DEI uh, individuals exploiting it and exploiting race. And and it's not for those individuals in our community who are not learning how to read and who are experiencing violence. It's only for those uh, what I call elites. And, and we see it every single day. It is no help to our community at all. I'm looking at a tablet where you have a piece called America Works, DEI Doesn't. Yes. And in it, you say the following uh, my community is so far behind that I no longer look at the data showing how we're on the bottom of every education and socioeconomic chart. I see the evidence every day, and that's why it sickens me when I read news of our culture war over DEI, yes. which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Most recently during the public trial, although it wasn't a trial of Claudine Gay, what struck me is that several DEI act advocates in their defense of gay, claim to be fighting for communities like mine. Mm-hmm. They not they talked of how not everyone is born equal. How s- systemic racism is the D is in the DNI of America. How white supremacy keeps us down at every turn, and the absurd oppressor oppressed binary that allows no gray area for nuance. The experience was disembodying. Corey Brooks writes, it was like listening to people who don't know you talk about you as if they oh. knew you from way back when. <laughs> yeah. I really like that's really nice. It's a great piece. Everyone should should check it out. I really appreciate that. The fact that John Cass appreciates it even makes me feel better about it. <laughs> but listen, we've had this argument uh, for for years. I mean, I remember like the old white guys at the end in the end of the bar screaming about why aren't there any short little greek five eight point guards in the nba damn it they're being unfair you know and all that because mm-hmm. they maybe they could create it by creating uh three-point shots oh yes maybe we'll have another a greek b- basketball player but we have Giannis, you know but i guess they want more <laughs> and the same thing goes on all the time with yeah. with this now yeah, and it's unfortunate that we keep seeing this type of rhetoric uh, right. put out. And you know, in that in that same article, I talked about how our community has been bombarded with one liberal policy after another since the 1960s, yeah. um, promoting the idea that somehow they're going to make our community better or that they're going to help us. And and all the all the time, uh, we're only falling further and further behind since the 1960s. Uh, we have more single parents um, than we've ever had before. Uh, we have some of the worst educational levels that we've ever had before. We have more people impoverished than we ever had before. And and we see more people in prison uh, in our community than we ever had before. But yet we still keep getting these same liberal policies promoted in our community time after time after time, only promising us a false hope that they're going to help us only to see us fall further and further behind. Pastor, it sounds like to me that what's going on and what has been going on is that I mean, I'm going to deal in caricatures, okay, just in broad strokes. But think of a a, a bunch of 
white liberals leading a mass of black people to loot their own futures, to destroy their own futures, like coming into a store to steal from the store when they say, that's okay, it's only $900, no, $950, don't worry about it. You're not going to go to jail for that. It's the same idea where they're, they're looting the future of black youth by telling them that you can be a success. You don't have to work hard for it. You're just born that way. It's yeah. like how, what they did to white people, the same white races, the same, the same white racism is the same black racism. Me, merit is the most important thing, guys, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, merit, merit should be uh, what all of us are judged upon. And it's unfortunate that we're living in a society where people think that we can somehow create these equal outcomes. Uh, But I tell people, I don't care what you do, there will never, ever be equal outcomes. But what we can do is, and what I try to do in practice, is is creating opportunities for everybody. And I believe that the human nature that in America, the values and the principles that we have in America, that if you if you work hard, if you try to achieve, if you do all the things necessary that here in America, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. But it's these individuals that somehow keep promoting that it can't happen without some policy or it can't happen without program. Some, yeah. yeah, some program or DEI. Right. No, and that's that's just simply not true. It's not true because. I'm just thinking of all the immigrant, the great migration that we're seeing now and the great migration that we saw in the early 1900s from Europe and the great migration that we saw from the South, from Jim Crow South run by Democrats when, when white people would not allow black people to use the water fountain, for example, mm-hmm. or sit at the lunch counter. And all that happened Black businesses, all these people, Greeks had businesses. We, we, okay, we weren't, uh, we weren't CEOs of corporations, but we did start with candy stores and shoe shine parlors. That was my grandfather, shoe shine man. And, uh, we had all this stuff without government programs. Yeah. And that's where we had strength as people. Didn't, did we not? Am I missing something about what? what the effect of DEI is like to take your backbone away. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I said in that article about, you know, government is that uh, I believe that government has ran our community down to the ground, not just our community, but other communities as well. Yes. And, uh, it, it's, uh, it seduced those coming out of four centuries of oppression with the policies of dependency. And, uh, and, and they don't, that's not helping us. It, it You know, I think that, Somehow, some way, we got to keep promoting American values and American principles and the rhetoric of victimization isn't truthful. And and it only weakens our ability to solve our own problems and it deepens the damage done to our communities. And so we got to continue to work hard and we got to continue to promote American values in the face of uh, individuals who are saying the very opposite. We got to go against the grain. It's it's and you've described in the piece too, kind of that, you know, what the children, because obviously the children of the future and, and we got to raise them up to be seeking merit and seeking the best that they can be. 
Meanwhile, we've got, you know, a city here in Chicago where they're shutting down schools that are trying to do that and and dismantling systems. And just speak to a little bit about how you describe in the, in the, the piece that how, you know, in poverty stricken areas and, and, you know, predominantly black areas in this city, mm-hmm. the kids are, are, are walking, passing through ter- like just horrific scenes of, of just wasteland and, dr- and drug usage and gangs and stuff. And, and, how hard it is to try to put something in that neighborhood like your community center. I mean, that thing should have been built in six months. That should have been the government should have found money and said, you know what? Here's a guy who knows the community. Here's a guy whose head is on right. Here's a guy who wants to do the hard work. And all we have to do is fund it. And and how long have you been, been working on this project? Oh, wow. We've been working on this project for 12 years and we we exactly. finally uh, got the building structure underway as far as being built. It's a forty million dollar structure, and 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 it's not that we're trying to throw money at a problem, right? But we realize that we need this facility so that we can continue to transform and change lives. You know, you we can sit idly by and keep watching government and keep mm-hmm. trying to allow government to fix our issues, all while all the while realizing that they can't. Or we can do what we've said. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to put some uh, programs in place, not to make people dependent, but to make them independent. We're going to practice some American values and principles and move people forward in their lives. We're going to get them, move them out of dependency and move them toward uh, economic freedom and giving them an education. So we have carpentry classes. We have culinary arts classes. We have mentoring classes. We have uh, fathering classes where we are promoting fathers to get back in the homes and lives of their their kids. And so we're doing everything we can to transform this community because we're not going to wait on government because we see when we do, uh, they come in with their liberal policies. They come in with their liberal ideas and their agendas. And all the time it makes our community weak and it causes us to be more dependent and it puts us on a perpetual cycle of, of of nothingness. And you've run into roadblocks, and I don't know here you can name names or not, but I mean, can you give us some of the examples of, of the struggles you've had from city leaders and you know civic leaders? Because again, I mean, my my dad is old school. My dad is you know in his, his mid seventies, and he could he just it boils his blood when he thinks about how anybody could say. No, I'm I'm not going to get marched up in line behind Corey Brooks because X Y Z. What what is been some of the, the pushback you've received? You know that's a great question, and the political pushback that we've gotten has been outrageous. You know the fact that people uh, would rather make what we do political than to make what we do about the people is outrageous, and we consistently face pushback, obstacles, individuals who don't want to work with us because they either feel like I'm a conservative or I'm pushing a an agenda that is totally against the grain and opposite of theirs. And so we don't have people who come alongside us from our politicians and uh, elected officials because th- the truth of the matter is they really don't want to see this work because it's a real indictment upon them that what they're doing is not working. What we are doing is working. But at the same time, I want to say that, you know, that's the reason why I, I want to promote and push my conservative friends. Hey, come on, get in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Here is something that uh, all of my conservative friends can get behind in one of the most liberal cities in a, in, a, in America, in, a, in a, one of the toughest neighborhoods in America. And so when you say, yeah, we should have it built, we should have had it done. 
it, it works both ways. You know, politically, they definitely should have come in here and help us. But if some of my conservative friends and some of them have, most of them have, most of what we're doing has been uh, done because we have a lot of people who are conservative, who believe in the principles that we're believing in to help us and promote us. But if they would come alongside and, and push a little harder, we could change so many lives and we can become a model for what can mm-hmm. be done, not just on the south side of Chicago, but across America where we're having all of these issues and where they put all these liberal policies in place. It seems like it's a call to everyone who's ever said, to co- everyone who's ever complained about the liberal, the woke, the the destruction of the cities of Chicago and New York and Detroit and elsewhere. Yeah. This is an offer to come and help, to come and join, to put your backbone where your mouth is and help them help the good good pastor Corey brooks of new beginnings church and the ceo of project hood in chicago and by the way where can people reach you and follow you so they can go to yeah they can go to projecthood.org projecthood.org and they can find out uh, about the work that we're doing and how they can contribute their time uh, their talent and their treasure. And we really are in need of individuals to come alongside us. And of course, uh, they can always find me on Twitter at Corey B. Brooks at Corey B. Brooks on Twitter. So, or X now that was what they call it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I mean, one thing we don't need is uh, to spot you. I mean, we don't need a a machine <laughs> to spot where Corey Brooks is. Cause we know it's right across the street or at the new beginnings church on the South side or, you know, at project hood, but, let me ask you, what about the spotter? I mean, how, how maybe we should have like a a computer program, computer program to Oh, there's Corey Brooks, he's spotting off, he's saying something <laughs> saying something dangerous about freedom. Well, you know, one of the worst things that could have happened in Chicago is for us to have gotten rid of a shot spotter. For some of those who may not know what that is, it's where when shots are fired, there's this system uh, that tells the that notifies the police and lets them know that shots have been fired in this particular location. And you would think uh, in places like Chicago, especially on the south side and west side of Chicago, that we would want to use everything possible in order to help people in the community, especially when it comes to gun violence and, and people being shot and killed. But somehow, some way, uh, our government uh, here in Chicago, our local government thinks that they know better. Um, that that we don't need this in our community, that we don't need the assistance and that somehow this is uh, uh, something that's put in place that's not equitable because it more shots. But common sense ought to tell them if more shots are being fired on the south side and west side, then then obviously you're going to be notified more. And and but yet they've decided to get rid of that system. And, and I tell you, it's so unfortunate because we desperately need it. I guess it's sort of like uh, on New Year's Eve, people should just walk around the south side and not worry about getting under a viaduct, especially at midnight. Uh, just just absolutely. keep walking and, like, <laughs> you know, you might you might catch one just because people shoot on New Year's Eve, but that's not the only time they shoot. Right. Every day, every day there are children killed. Every day there are young men gunned down. Every day the gangs attack and attack and destroy themselves and their communities. But if, as a result, we're told not to do anything about it. Is that it? Like, yeah. if, like sh- shut up, back off the corner, don't get involved because we, we don't want shot spotter. Absolutely. Is what, this, what is the, 
Brandon Johnson doing? Yeah, you know, I think the the what they're trying to draw is the picture of that everything is getting better. And what Shot Spotter does is it lets you know that hey, there are a lot there's a lot of gunfire happening on the south sides and west sides of mm-hmm. Chicago. And this is their way, I believe, of making that quiet, quieting it down, especially before the Democratic National Convention comes. Uh They want to make people believe that things are getting better. There's not as much violence. There's not as much shooting. And those uh, that technology lets people know, hey, no, there's lots of shots going on. There's 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 plenty that we need to be up in arms about. But if we get rid of that system, then people won't be notified. They won't be as knowledgeable. They won't know. And I, I think that's the whole game plan to keep people uh, in the secrecy of, of violence. Yeah, the city has this matrix of, of microphones they put up in places where they've historically, uh, the numbers have shown that the, there's gun violence and it's happening. We have Brian Altimer, who is a friend, you know, brother to me, and he lives in Roseland and I've hung out with his house and it's crazy. I mean, every night it's fireworks. It sounds like fireworks going off everywhere and it's not, it's gunfire. Have you, I mean, ha- have you had any conversations with the mayor directly one on one about any of this ever? I have not talked directly to the mayor about um, the situation, but I have talked to some of our uh, I've talked to our aldermen. I've talked to uh, state reps. I've talked to other people about how we feel about um, the violence, how we feel about shot spotter, how we feel about the migrant crisis. Oh, uh, yeah. All the issues that that we're contending with. I speak out about them and I say something about them. Uh, the problem seems to be, however, that, you know, like I said, I'm I'm going against the grain um, mm-hmm. and I'm promoting a viewpoint and an ideology that is totally different from the one that's being uh, pushed in our community. And ha- have you had any meetings at all? Has, has the mayor reached out to you directly or even on someone in his, his close t- t- tight team? I mean, I feel like. If I'm taking control of the helm of the of the third largest city in this country, I want to pull call on every power wielder, every influencer, everyone who can to try to put this thing, you know, to put the city on the right footing. And I'm not going to be surprised by your answer, I'm pretty sure. But it doesn't seem like uh, Mayor Johnson has even thought of that. Right. It's amazing. Um, I was telling our staff they were a little disheartened that we can't get a meeting with the mayor's office. And Ugh. it's amazing that. When we broke ground for our community center back in October of 2023 uh, or 2022, before he was the mayor, that uh, he came to visit our location and came to talk about the issues. Now that he is officially the mayor, we can't even get FaceTime with him. And so it's 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 trying it's difficult but i don't let it detour us in in what we're attempting to what we're going to do and what we're doing we keep fighting we keep pushing and um we keep letting the work show for itself uh, about what we're doing and he knows the city knows and we're going to make sure that everyone knows that we've got our um hands in to the plow and and we're just going to keep working regardless if they see us or not but it's they're definitely not giving us an, an open forum you know, I knew I knew a guy. I knew a guy who was in politics, and maybe he was on the left. But if you you were out there, he would have said, "Corey Brooks, come over here, come over here, and sit down, and let's talk." And he might filch, steal a cigarette from you if you had one. <laughs> and he might he might he might be thinking about where he's going to eat because he ate too much. But 
at the same time, he would have said, Corey Brooks, what the hell, what the hell do you want? You just say it like that. His name was Harold Washington. Yeah. He cared about his people. And he would have said, Corey Brooks, what the hell do you want? Absolutely. So what, what the hell do you want, Corey Brooks? You know, and that's because he, he would have understood that the center that we're building and, and the, 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 what we're, the organization that we're creating is dedicated to, you know, empowering our community and enhancing the well-being of not just our community, but of our city and that it transcends politics and it uh, focusing solely on positive impact and supporting those of those who are in need. So community uplift, city uplift is what we're all about. And that's beyond politics. And I think sometimes we need elected officials who understand that, that it's not about our politics. It's about uplifting this entire city and who's ever doing that in a positive way. We need to get behind them and help them to do it. And in fairness, Mayor, I mean, or in fairness, let me pick that up. In fairness, Pastor, uh, how many times, I mean, were you, did you have meetings with Lori Lightfoot? Did you have meetings with Rom? I mean, were they at all helping you with the cause or at least hearing you out? Well, I, I, we started off with a pretty good meeting with Rom. Uh, until he really discovered how conservative I was. And and, and I started, uh, he found out that I was a major supporter of Bruce Rahner. Uh, uh, once course, I was yeah. discovered, then everything went left. I wasn't able to get another meeting with him. I wasn't able to have discussions with him. And then, of course, uh, with Mayor Lightfoot, we never could get uh, in for a meeting. And, it, you know, it but as soon as election time came, <laughs> she was wanting to visit our church and she wanted to come and have a meeting here in my office. But when she was in office, we could not get a meeting. And that kind of that's kind of the, the the way it goes in our community, you know, uh, sometimes with these elected officials. When when you need them the most, uh, they're not there. But when they need you, they're they're readily available. Well, I have I have a proposal for you, Pastor. I think during the DNC, we, when we start the groundwork on this now, you need a counter convention. You need to bring in conservative ah, minds to your seriously excellent. Your church, and to show them what what actually working for the community works and what actually trying to lift up a community is like, not this platitudes and BS that they want to they're going to be celebrating at the United Center. I, I, I seriously think you could get a lot of power players to come in and just to show how foolish these people are. When they say, you know, the, we're we're pulling the right way, it's us or no one. You know, I, I yeah. think I think you need it. Yeah, you know, and you have to help me plan it. That's a great idea, and we've been thinking about that. Uh, how can we bring people in to give them uh, the counter convention? I like that. I I like the wording of that too, because that's exactly what we need. We need the alternative. We need, especially in our community. They need to know that there are voices that that are directly opposite of the voices that have been promoted and pushed in our community for for years and have created these policies since the 60s that have only ruined our communities even more. And we're going to empower every individual in our community. We have to start promoting a different agenda. And, And I think. That may be a good way to do it, to let people know, hey, we're going to have a discussion. We're going to have a a talk about real issues and real solutions. And we're not going to do it with those uh, liberal policies that that have been created over the years. If you do that, just rest assured, Jeff Carlin, that you're going to be and Corey Brooks, that you're going to be given mayor. What's his name? Mayor panic attacks, more panic attacks. He won't (laughs) be able to handle it. He'll be a jar of bubbling goo by the time you're done. And 
I don't know if that's a good thing for the city. Don't we want our mayor to be strong and support and stand upright, even if he's crawling inside with all these demons inside him? Yeah, I just think it might be a problem. I do. But brilliant. Brilliant yeah, idea. I think it would be a great idea. I think it's something that we definitely need to consider. I think we definitely have to continue to get a different opinion and different voices out there and only to enhance and make our community better. And, and we have to do that in the face of sometimes obstacles and people who have uh, a different point of view. I just wish Lou Palmer was alive today because even though he was a man of the left, he understood that uh, the left wing of the Democratic Party was an enemy to the black community, and uh, he would have stood up with you. I'm just so sad that we the leadership in Chicago has fallen so far down. Yeah. You know, everything rises and falls on leadership. John Maxwell says that, and it's one of the things that I really believe, that if, if you want something to rise – you got to have quality leadership and you got to take responsibility. You can't just be the leader or the top dog when things are going great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Be the leader and the top dog when things are going not going as great. And so we need everything rises and falls on leadership. I I I think when you're out there trying to pitch this thing, you just you you can easily do it in the form of highlighting the changes to your your community since the last convention, Democratic convention, and the one before that, and you can easily highlight the failings of, of those who say that they're working for you because it's it's embarrassing to be a Chicago, and it's embarrassing to be, you know, considering myself, you know, a progressive and liberal in, in my ideas that we need to push society forward. But, you know... It's, You're hanging out with me. I yeah, that's right. Not me. <laughs> yes, exactly. You so, know what you do? One, one. Uh, since we're spitballing here, I think you get a, a old clips of uh, Daniel Pitt because you need the a white liberal to draw them in, right? So you, you get Daniel Patrick Moynihan to talk loudly about what he's, you know, he, the, he's the late Daniel Patrick Moynihan mm-hmm. senator. Yes, but have him talk about. There's got to be clips where he's condemning and and worried about the effects of all the the welfare state on the black family, for example, and then and you then you contrast that with yours. Like since 1968, since the convention of 1968 and 1996, what has happened to the black family? Yeah, my God, what is that? In 1996, when they were building the convention here for Clinton. I remember black kids were still going to school and some were graduating with an ability to read and do math. Now I don't know what's happened. What has happened since it's like completely washed them away. Their their future is now the public schools are all about growing a generation of prison inmates because that's all they're fit for now. Am yeah. I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. You know, anytime you have children who are not able to read, um, you've destined them toward a jail sentence. And over the last 20, 25 years, we've seen a steady decline yeah. educationally 
with children not being able to read, not being able to do math. We have some of the worst scores in the country as it relates to young black males. And we have one of the highest dropout rates of young black males at ninth grade. And so what we've been experiencing over the last 25 years is, is, is continuing to weaken our community. It's continuing to, 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 to make us, it's continuing to make people think that they need to put in DEI and more Mm -hmm. equity things and more woke and uh, more anti-America in order to help, black people but those things are not helping us at all they're only weakening us even more every single day and i see it because i'm at the grassroots level and those people who are writing the op-eds and those people who are in uh the hierarchy of of academia they they don't see it and they don't um understand it because uh, they're only promoting their agenda to help them they better understand that if Corey brooks does not succeed and grow what will happen is that someone else like malcolm x 2 part 2 will come and if that happens now with the destruction of the family so destroyed so ruined the black family so completely devastated by government if a a new leader like a malcolm x comes in the city is completely and totally lost yeah, you know, again, I'll say it again over and over that everything rises and falls on leadership. Yeah. And as American citizens and locally here in Chicago, we have to hold all of our leaders responsible. And when we see them not producing and when we see them not bringing the quality of life that we so desire, we need to make sure that we move them out of office and get people in office and get people in positions uh, that can uh, make things better for all of us as Americans, and so, you know, I, I'm 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 for holding leaders accountable for sure. Well, thank uh, you, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for that. Thank you, John. I appreciate it, Pastor. Thanks so much. And you know, people need to check out ProjectHood.org um, and and just see what you're all about and get involved. And don't let the the powers that be steer us into oblivion into the death of of meritocracy and the rise of mediocrity because yes it's it's a scary future but thank you thank you i appreciate it thanks for having us on and uh for all your listeners and if they get a chance please stop by projecthood.org we greatly appreciate it we need all the help we can get thank you pastor for pastor Corey brooks founder of new beginnings church CEO of Project Hood in Chicago. And you can follow him at on X at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y-B Brooks. For Jeff Carlin, executive producer, WGN Radio, future physics teacher. He's hatched the idea of the year, a counter convention for the 2024 Democratic National Convention at New Beginnings Church or somewhere on the south There's side. A presidential Center I hear going in that maybe can host it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and for me, John Cass, editor-in-chief of John Cass News, we always get a good cup of Midwestern common sense. Thanks for joining us, Chicago, and talk to you again soon on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.